you know what? I realize it more today than I ever have before. How much God's grace and favor is upon me. And I hope that I'm helping you to develop in your mind and change your mindset to recognize that his favor is on you as well. And I just believe by association that his favor is on you just because you're here. Amen? Because I know it's on my life and I'm believing that if you stay connected. The Bible says, he that walketh with the wise shall be wise. Amen? So if you're going to walk with somebody in favor, you're going to get favor yourself. Amen? Hallelujah. So I'm glad to be here today and glad to celebrate with you today. It's, it's always a privilege to have a chance to come into the house to worship because we gather that we might acknowledge God. I know we call it church services and oftentimes we mistake that to mean that when we come to church, we're doing God a service. No, we don't come to church service. We come to worship God. And see, that's why when we come, when we, we think of it as a service, so we, if I made it in, then I'm good. So we don't participate when it comes to worship, but we come to worship God in spirit and in truth. And when you come, you should come with a mind to worship. You shouldn't have to be invited. I love Brother Sean Johnson. Brother Sean, he knows when, he, when they start talking about praise and worship, he jumped to his feet. Why? Because when you walk into a courtroom and sit down, you may be there to sit. But when the judge comes in, they say, all rise, the honorable judge. And watch this. If God is deserving of honor, when, he, when we invite him in through praise and worship, you ought to get on your feet. Amen. You ought not to have a bailiff that to come and say, hey, ma'am, you didn't show respect to the judge. You ought to say, God, I wanna, I've come here to honor you. I came to worship you and because I'm in the house of worship, I will worship because I came to worship. If you came to spectate, then it's just, it's all, that's all it is to you, it's spectation. I, I see what they're doing. Oh, he looks like he's pretty happy. She looks like she's clapping pretty hard. They seem like they're pretty, they know the song. But all, you ought not know what anyone else is doing because you ought to be engaged yourself. The Bible says God is seeking such to worship him. Amen. So when we come, we come to worship. I'm glad to be here. I know you're probably wondering, hey, what's going on? Pastor's standing up there. There's no podium. And he's just standing in the middle of the stage. And he's got all that food right behind him. Amen. If you didn't have breakfast, you couldn't worship because you kept watching them oranges and those apples. and this. Boy, Jesus is my help. Help me to get one of those bananas. Amen. But today I want to bless you and encourage you with a, with a message entitled Believing in the Promises. It is recorded that there are more than 3,000 promises of God in the Bible. 3,000 promises in the Bible. More exact number puts it more close to, uh, th I think, 3,586 or something like that. Depending on how you look at a verse or a passage, you may, that number may fluctuate up and down, but more than 3,000 promises of God in the Bible. And as a people of promise, we ought to acknowledge that God has made promises and he's the promise keeper. And because he's made promises, we can trust in what he's promised and be able to walk in the confidence that's necessary. But the thing that I've come to understand that most of us don't realize how vitally important it is for us to walk in faith. Every born again believer has some faith. And I know you may sit here and say, you know, Pastor, I've struggled with my faith for many years. And if you're saying that, hey, don't, be, don't, don't feel uh, 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 slighted by that because most of us, if not all of us, are struggling in our faith in some way. 
But the truth of the matter is that every born again believer has faith. Because in order to be saved, you must have faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. So every born again believer has faith. And that faith is a foundation for all faith as you journey on with Christ Jesus. But it's important for us to understand that faith is not just something that we talk about. When, when you talk secularly, you say faith, meaning you believe in a religion or have religious belief. But when it comes to God, God did not come. He didn't send Jesus to establish religion. He sent Jesus to establish relationship. And that through relationship, we would have faith or confidence and assurance in our God and his ability in our lives. So we're called to live by faith. And so we find that in Hebrews chapter number 10, the foundation of our lesson, if you would turn there this morning, that'll get us started and we'll get right into it. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. It says, now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, he says, my soul will have no pleasure in him. He says, the just must live. Those who have been justified, being born again, we are justified. We are the just. When he refers to the just in this passage, he's talking about the justified. The justified are those that have been born again, having been justified by faith. But he says in this passage, he says we must live by faith that our whole life should be people, we should be people of faith. Since God been, has given me this word, I've been walking around declaring to people, you're a woman of faith, you're a man of faith, you're you a woman of faith, you're a child of faith. Because I believe that we are people of faith because we are to live by faith. However, oftentimes we don't realize how important faith is in our life so we don't we don't work on our faith and we just allow ourselves to exist with our lack of faith because the bible says faith comes by hearing by the word of god so you must hear all the word you can and then through that hearing be able to develop your faith in, in, first, second, in second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, here's what Paul says. He says, we walk by faith, not by sight. Now, that's difficult for most of us because we come into this world using our, our five senses. A baby, the reason small children put everything in their mouth is because the first of their senses that they use is their sense of taste. Before they really understand hearing, before they really fully understand seeing, they start tasting, they wanna eat. And so ultimately we come into this world and we live life and we are accustomed to using our sensors in order to determine what happens or what needs to happen or how we're going to react. But here Paul says we don't walk by our senses, we walk by faith. If you walk by sight, then you'll find yourself discouraged an awful lot. Because in this life, you will have trial. In this life, there will be trouble. But the truth of the matter is, you must believe that God is always there. And here's the word that he gave us. He says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord is delivering them out of them all. You've got to embrace that by faith and believe God, no matter what I'm faced with, you are delivering me out of it. But how many times have we looked around at our situation and it doesn't look like it could change and we don't declare that word? 
we declare other things. Boy, it just seemed like my life will never change. Ooh, the more things change, the more they stay the same. You are declaring things that are not words of faith. The Bible says faith comes by hearing. You got to keep hearing and hearing and declaring the word of God that it might build your faith. The other thing is that, that all of us have a desire. If you know Jesus Christ, if you're in relationship with him, we all have a desire to please God. Is that true? Yes. That we all have a desire. God, I want to please you. But unfortunately, unless you develop, this is how important faith is. Unless you develop your faith, you cannot please God. Because here's what God says in, in, in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6. He says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Advance to the next slide for me. Thank you, gentlemen. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. He that cometh to God must first believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. The thing is that seeking, the, the context is faith. He says God rewards those who diligently, work, who diligently seek to enhance their faith. So watch this, even if you are not accomplishing great things through faith, but you keep on working to develop that faith, he says, I'll reward you for working at it. But you're not working at it if you're sitting at home and you don't want to hear and you come and you all on your phone and texting and so forth. Faith comes by hearing. You've got stuff in your life you need to believe God for, but you don't have the faith to do it. You've got to hear some word that you might be able to believe God in a way you've never believed him before to see him do something you've never seen him do before the truth of the matter is God is well pleased with faith and he wants to be pleased with you and that's why he's saying to me continue to tell you work your faith develop your faith faith is like a muscle you got to keep working it you got to keep working it out Tuesday night I, I asked the people of God I said listen those who are here I said listen what do you believe in God for because right now, if, if, if I'm challenging you to develop your faith, you got to start working it. So you got to start believing God in something. Now, I'm telling you, understand this. Don't discourage yourself by jumping off a cliff that you know you can't, you, you're not able to believe God off. Believe him in something that you, that, that, where your faith is. And then as you work that faith, you believe God here. You say, okay, God, you did this. I'm going to believe you to do this. And if you did this, I'm going to believe you to do this. And if you do this, I'm going to believe you to do this. But you've got to work. Faith is progressive. You don't become a giant in faith by just saying, I got faith. Just like you don't lose weight by saying, I'm going to lose weight. Just like you don't, you don't get in shape by just going to the gym, getting the membership and sitting in a chair in there all day. Amen. You will never be in shape sitting at the gym. You're going to have to get in the gym and work in the gym. And, you, and you're not going to develop faith unless you, begin it, you get into the faith gym and work it. Got to hear faith. You got to declare faith. You got to be able to hear and believe that God is able. Faith for the promises is the message I want to give today. And I want to speak to you about giving. Turn to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. Because here's what I've come to understand. You have faith. Because you're born again, you have faith. 
And you may have faith in areas of your life, one area of your life, but you may not have faith in, in another area of your life. And if today, if you sit here today and you don't have faith for giving, faith to give and to tithe, that's an area of your faith that you start with. Say, Pastor, I, I can believe for this, I can believe for that. What I've come to understand is you've got to develop areas of your life in faith. You can have faith in one area of your life and not faith in another. Where you find faith lacking, you've got to work on that area. If it comes to, when it comes to giving, the, the thing that you want to understand about giving is that is the nature of the kingdom. That is the nature of God. For God so loved the world, he did what? He gave. His very nature is demonstrated in giving. You are not going to get your way through. You're going to have to give your way through. And here's something the Lord has been speaking to me for the last week and a half. He says, full hands cannot be filled up. You're holding on to stuff and you're keeping it. And sometimes we got stuff that we don't even want to have, but we just keep it anyway. You keep Brother Jerry and Sister Nikki busy. You got two or three storages over there with junk that you don't even use. And you holding on to it, paying to keep it. Go to your storage tomorrow and say, look, God, I'm getting all this stuff out because you said full hands cannot be filled up and all this stuff I've already enjoyed and this past is due. I'm looking for more from you. You won't do it. You're going to go tomorrow and pay your storage for the next month. Because you didn't say amen. You was like, uh, because I got that table Big Mama gave me. You know you didn't want Big Mama's table. Big Mama, she, she got all she could out of that table. And it ain't antique. It ain't the kind of, it ain't the kind of table you keep and, and make some money off of later. It's just a table. You go over and open up your door and say, come ye all who are in need. But then you go over there and you start keeping stuff. Oh, I forgot this was in there. If you forgot it was in there, you don't need it. You don't forget stuff you need. When the last time you forgot to eat? Because you need to eat. You ain't forgot. Oh, I was been looking for this. No, you haven't because it's been in the storage all this time. And you've been, you had this storage for a long time and you never thought to come here. You ain't been looking for it. So the nature of God is to give. Look here in Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 10. He says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour you out such blessing that there will, be, will not be room enough to receive it. Write this in your notes if, you pay, if you're taking notes. Write this first note. My clicker's not working, so you guys are going to have to help me up there. Go back one slide. Two slides. There we go. Know this, that God will never allow himself to owe you anything. So here he says, bring ye all of the tithe into the storehouse that there may be enough in my house. 
The truth of the matter is God always, anytime he asks something of you, he's already made provisions of how he's going to get something back to you because he cannot be indebted to you. Here's the reason why. The Bible says that the, ser that the borrower is servant to the lender. God can never be your servant, so he can never owe you anything, so he never borrows anything from you. Whatever he asks you for, he's already purposed that he's going to do more than that back to you. So he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. And see, I see your faith is waning already. You're like, oh, we're talking about tithes. You better develop your faith because you need faith in this area. Because he says, bring the tithe in. And then he says, try me in this and watch I bless you more than you bless me. So the first note you need to make is that God will never allow himself to owe you anything. So if he's asking anything of you, he's already got a plan of getting it back to you more than what you've given. Because no man will say, uh, I have loaned to God. No man will say, no woman will say, hey, God owes me something. Because he will never owe anyone because he says the borrower is servant to the lender. So anything he, he wants from you, he's got some, a way of getting it back to you over and above what you ask. But we must first also understand that it is not yours in the first place. The, 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 the tithe belongs to God. Leviticus chapter, you don't have to turn there. Next slide. Leviticus chapter 27. Just, just direct your eyes to the screen here. Look what it says. It says, all of the tithe of the land, whether, whether seed of the land or the fruit of the tree is the Lord's. It is holy unto him. The tenth, the first tenth of whatever you receive, it belongs to God. The tithe is a tenth. Amen? I need two volunteers. There's one. Amen. Moving by faith, brother. Come on up here. I need one more. Come on, Brother Rodney. See, you, you need to have some faith. You was like, oh. Pastor talking about giving. He's going to call somebody out. Somebody give $100. You know we don't play that. We don't roll that way. Amen. God bless both of you, Brother Rodney Martin and uh, Deacon Tim Houston. God bless you. That's for those that are watching us on stream. This is Brother Rodney Martin, Brother Tim Houston. Amen. Those that watching us on, online. Uh, listen to this. Are they waving behind me? A salute, okay, okay, that, that, that's acceptable. So the 10th belongs to the Lord. Since you were first, Brother Tim, uh, Brother Rodney, if you step right over there, please. Stand right there, please. Yes. How many is that? Okay. How many is that? And how many is that? Say it out loud. So, they can hear so there's 10 there. The 10th belongs to God. Look how the plan works. He says the tenth 
one out of the 10 belongs to me, but look what you get to keep. But here's what he says. He says, if you would give me the tenth that is holy unto me, watch and see, won't I open the windows of heaven and pour you out blessings that you can't receive? So watch how this works. He doesn't have room enough to receive it. Still ain't got room. God bless you and thank you. So he says, give me what belongs to me and I'll open the windows of heaven and pour you out blessings that you won't have room enough to receive. Step over here, Brother Rodney. How many is that? How many is that? Say it out loud for them. Ten. Ten. So, God says the tenth, one out of the ten, belongs to me. If you give me what belongs to me, I'll open the windows of heaven, pour you out blessings, Close it up. There you go. You, you got to keep yours tight. There you go. That you won't have room enough to receive. That you won't have room enough to receive. Now watch this. It doesn't just work for one, it works for anybody who's willing to do it. It wasn't just him, he wasn't special, he just believed God and did it, and it worked for him just like it worked for him. God bless you and thank you. So you understand, he says, try me in this and see when I open the windows of heaven and pour you out blessings that you won't have room enough to receive. Now watch this, I've been telling you about faith. I said I need two volunteers and you didn't move. You missed out. Uh-huh, you didn't know. Didn't know God was trying to get something to you. You thought I was trying to take something from you. 
You've got to begin to expect from God, believing that he has a desire to get some things to you, but he wants you to come under his law, and the law of the land is that you must give him what belongs to him. So you've been holding on to it. Been holding on to it. If you're writing in your notes, write this next note. Put, it, put this up. In order to develop faith in your giving, you must develop your confidence in the promises of God. In order for you to develop your faith in giving. See, God made a promise. He says, listen, if you do this, I'm going to open the windows and pour you out blessings. You, have, you don't have confidence in his promise. Therefore, you don't have much faith in your giving. But if you develop faith in his confidence and have confidence in his promise, because the promise is no greater than the promisor. You missed it. The promise is no greater than the promisor. Watch this. And if, in fact, the promisor keeps promises, you can rest assured he will keep on keeping promises. So promises, promises. The promises of God are sure. And we must understand that because the promises of God are sure, we have to develop our faith or our confidence in the promises. Look at this definition. A promise is this. A promise is a declaration or an assurance that one will do partic a particular thing or that a particular thing will happen. God promised that if you would bring him the tithe, what belongs to him, he says, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour you out blessings. So you have to develop your confidence in the promise because it says a promise is a declaration. God declared, I will do this. It's a promise. And the promise also suggests that you believe that whatever the particular thing is that he said would happen, will happen. So here's the thing. God opens the window. Your faith determines what comes out of it. You tithe. He says the window's open. But now you got to believe by faith that it's coming. So you have to believe that the window's open and now I'm going to believe that God, whatever's coming out, it ain't just pennies. It ain't just meagerness. Because watch this. He says, now unto him who is able to do what? To do. He opened the window and he can start pouring, but you determine how much pours because he says, now who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all you asked or what do you think's coming out of the window? What are you believing that's coming out of the window? The word he uses there is poor. It is the word that is indicative of floodgate. Here's how this works. The windows open, but the pouring depends on faith. He says, because you've done it, I opened the window. But the gate to start pouring depends on your faith. 
if you just crack it with a little faith something's coming out but it ain't pouring yet but if you've ever watched a dam, if you go and you have the opportunity to watch a dam or see a dam, you'll find that the waters behind the dam are waiting and roaring, waiting for the dam to open up. And I'm trying to get you to say, God says, if you move by faith and do what I'm telling you you're supposed to do, then believe me that I will do what I said I would do. He says, then you will then open up the gates. And I'll begin pouring how blessings that you won't have room enough to receive. Thank you, sir. Turn to Isaiah 55. Last week, the Lord just blessed me with Isaiah 55. It was just running all through and I was excited. Why? Because I'm believing God's word. Here's what I've come to do. I've come to love God's word. The Bible says you delight yourself in the law of the Lord. He'll bless you. Psalm number one says, and in his law does he meditate day and night and he shall be like a tree planted by a river of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. Let me tell you something. This is a revelation for somebody that many of the things that you get, you get after they're out of date because you don't, you don't reap in your season. And you don't reap in your season because you don't delight in the word. When it comes to the Bible, you're like, ugh. Who just seemed like it gave me a headache every time I try to read? Here's what Jesus said about the word of God. He says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. You cannot treat your life source like it brings you death. You got to be excited about the word of God. You got to say, God, what are you saying to me? What word are you giving me? Because here's what Jesus said. He says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Watch this. He just put his word on the same plane as your food. And that means that if God were to declare it, Aisha, you don't ever have to eat again, but you will live. You wouldn't have to eat another morsel because God said it. He says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. When you stand on his word, watch this now, the word proceed means to move forward. Oh, I'm going to bless you now. If you've ever been on a people mover, all you got to do is get on it. It does all the work. The people mover moves you forward while you stand there. If you would just stand on the word of God, he would move you forward because you're standing on his word. But you got to hear that word and embrace it. Amen. So this is your word to your servant upon which you caused me to hope. I told you all three weeks ago to memorize and learn Psalm 119 and 49. What does it say? You ain't done it yet. You got to get this word in you. That's the Lord is my light and my no, that ain't it. Thank you. Remember thy word unto thy servant upon which you've caused me to hope. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. I'm telling you, you've got to get word in you that you can stand on. When you start believing God for something and you hold to it and you say, God, remember the word of your servant 
upon which you've caused me. The causing of that, he says, cause. Cause means to make me to. Cause me. You've, you've, you've made me trust you because you gave me your word and you said I need to live by your word. And I'm now trusting on that word. It's, remember your word to your servant upon which you've caused me to hope. You gonna learn it now? Next time I ask, don't, 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 uh, Thank you for telling us, Pastor, I forgot again. It's only two lines. Remember the word to thy servant upon which you've caused me to hope. God gave that to me for you. Amen? Look what Isaiah 55 and 11 says. He says, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. Watch this now. It will not return to me void, but it will accomplish what I please. And watch this. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. He says, whatever I declare through my word, he says, it cannot come back to me until it accomplishes what I sent it out to do. Here's what I need you to understand. He says, when I declare it, it goes out. And if it's supposed to come out and do something, he says, it, can, it cannot come back and report to me till it comes back and reports that, God, it is done. So remember thy word upon which you've caused me to hope because, watch this, he says, my word never comes back void. You understand a voided check, don't you? The check is written, but if, if V-O-I-D on it, it don't matter what it is. Story is told of a man, a rich man, who was, uh, said he wanted to help a man. But he really didn't have it in his heart to do. He wrote him a check, a very large check. The man was excited. He said, I'm going to help you because he was rich. He said, hey, you, you gonna, if, you gonna, if you help me, it's going to be some big help. Wrote him a big check, put all the zeros on there. The man got it, he looked at the top, he says, whoa. But he missed one four-letter word at the bottom. Void. Wrote him a check, but it was no better than the paper it was written on. But God says, my word is not like that. Whatever I sent it out to do, it's going to accomplish exactly what I said. So here's the thing. The first promise you see there, he says, my word will accomplish whatever I send it out to do. The word of God will establish. So that's why he says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Because with every word that goes out of God's mouth, it brings life. Jesus says, the words that I speak, they are spirit. They are life so the first promise he says you can have confidence in my word because it will prosper in the thing that I sent it what are you going to believe God for and what word are you going to apply to it if you if, 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 if you are sick in your body you need word on faith for healing you got to believe God. God, I'm going to claim the word, your word, when it says you sent your word and you healed us. 
I'm going to claim your word when your word says that by your stripes we're healed. I'm going to claim your word that you said your word is health to my neighbor and moral to my bones. I'm going to claim the word. So you got to get word. Watch this. This is a manual. The Bible is a manual. I've said this before. You don't just open the Bible and just read anything when you're trying to believe God. You got to believe. You got to read what you're believing in. Same as this. Uh, go home now and try to put a, a, a trampoline together for your children. But you got bike instructions. It's going to be a mess, Brother Joe. I wouldn't put my children on it. Because you need trampoline instructions for a trampoline. You need healing instructions for healing. You need giving instructions for giving. You need relationship instructions on relationship. Husbands and wives won't, won't, won't get in the word to learn how they're supposed to treat each other. Sons and daughters won't know how they're supposed to respect mother and father. Parents won't get in the word to understand how they're supposed to treat their children. And the Bible says don't provoke them to anger. Parents just flow with it. Being their friend. Rather than instructing and disciplining. The Bible says spare the rod, you spoil the child. You don't beat them to go to jail, you, 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 but you do pop that bottom. You got a child, I don't know what's wrong with him. He acting crazy, he's acting a fool. Well, the Bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of the child, but the rod of correction runs it out of him. He's acting a fool because you allowed him to be a fool. Come on, boy, you need to stop. You know, I ain't going to tell you no more. I've told you 55 times to stop. One, two, boy, what did I say? I'm helping you. You don't know it, but I'm helping you. Some of you do know it because you're like, yes, pastor, thank you. He going to get it when I get home. <laughs> Listen to this. Let's go back to Malachi chapter 3. I'm, I'm almost done. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Look, it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, and I will open the windows of heaven and pour out such blessings that you won't have room enough to receive. That's a promise. Write that down. What you see in bold face. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven. So when you, when, you, when, you are when you become a tithe, let me tell you this, let me, let me help you with this because you always need instruction when it comes to, 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 to believe in God. Tithing is not like shooting craps. You don't just roll the dice and see what happens. You have to become a tither. Don't come in here today, put a tithe up there and go out like, uh, that was my number. That's my point. No, no, no. You have to become a tither. You understand that? It's not, it's not coming in and say, let me throw one out there and see what happened. No, you got to say, God, I purpose that I will honor you with the first of what I have, no matter what. Lady Toyin and I, uh, and I'll say this again, I've said it before. Uh, two, years, three, two years ago, she came home from working. 
just came home from working. At that time, we had two salaries. In her doing that, she did some consulting. She does some consulting and things like that. But overall, we lost $40,000 of income coming into our home. But we never stopped tithing. Never stopped tithing, no matter what happened. Today, not all, both of our cars are paid off. Our credit cards are paid off, except for one. We've got one little balance we need to pay off for a trip we took to California last year. And here's what happened, Brother Demetrius. I, I looked just yesterday, and I'm not boasting. I'm boasting in the Lord. I'm telling you this because I walk by faith. I checked my FICA score the other day, 794. In case you don't know, you, you, you call it a FICO score. The FICO, that's, that's how they determine how, what, what kind of credit you got. What am I saying? You have to trust God in your giving and believe that he's able. How is it that we do that with, with less money than we had before? Faith. Trusting and believing that God will make it happened. So watch this. Watch this. The other day, we went, we were just we, we, we just we just went out and 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 decided to just test drive. We, were, we you know we're just looking. I told you we believe in God for this summer. Uh, every year for the last three years, we've been believing God. Well, we've been, been been trying to travel on our vacation in a luxury van. And, I, and I'm, I'm applying my faith to that. I'm glad we're going to believe that this year when we leave out uh, in June to go on our vacation, that we're going to be in a luxury van. That's what we're believing. So, so the Lord spoke to me and said, you can't be believing for something you ain't seen. So I said, I've never even been in a luxury van. So we went out there and drove one. We got in there, Brother Webb. The man said, do you see the price tag? I said, I saw it. Let's go. It's my driver's license. Children started looking at us, ooh, daddy, is this the one we're going to get? I said, we'll be in one. We don't, we don't know if it's this one, we won't be in one. So the man comes back and he says, um, Mr. Martin, uh, you know, let me know what you're able to do. I can go back and start working some numbers for you. I did this on him. I, I just I pulled my phone out and started pulling up my FICO. And, and, and I, was, I wasn't going to you know, mess with him, but I'm just looking at it. He said, I don't mean to impose, but I see that score. Uh, let me go talk to my supervisor. <laughs> he wanted us to go back there and sit and talk. I said, we're just here looking, but you know what? He said, come on back over. I said, we already been here long enough. We're going to go ahead and leave. Why? Why am I doing that? Because I'm believing God for the van, not for the money. I don't need to come and talk to you about money. I'm believing for the van. I believe that God is going to make, it, make a way. So here's the thing. Faith applies itself to something. And I don't have to. I mean, we, we, we'll still go to heaven if we don't ever, never drive in a van, but I'm just believing for one. Amen. We're still going to go on a vacation. If we had to drive our car, we're going to go. But I'm believing to go in a luxury van, not just a van. Luxury van, that's it. 
Why is that important? I'm trying to encourage your faith. Because when God spoke to me and said, believe me, I just started doing it. When I read that verse and he said, Abraham believed God. So that's, he's, it didn't say he was believing in, he said he just believed him. He just believed. And God is trying to nurture you to, and it's not about stuff. Please, people of God, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about stuff. Because it's not just stuff. Because here's the thing, you don't need faith for peace. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. You just got to claim the peace. He says, be anxious for nothing. He said, God, I'm just so nervous. And so he said, be anxious for nothing. That's his word. Claim his word. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything in prayer, thanksgiving. So I don't have to pray and ask and believe God. God, give me some peace in my mind. I've not given you the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and what? You got to grab, grab that word. Amen? Okay, I'm done. Let's look at this. So there's a promise. I will open the windows of heaven. Look at verse number 11. Here's what, here's, here's what I want you to see. Look at this promise. He says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. The devourer is, 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 your, is your money leaving you, taking what belongs to you. We had a matter come up, and I said, God, we're not supposed to be like this. We, we, looking at, at our budget for the month, I said, we're getting down to zero, and all the way down. I said, we're supposed to be like this. I began to declare the word. I said, God, your word says that, that if we would bring the tithe into the storehouse, that you would rebuke the devourer for us. They're coming against our finances, trying to, trying to get all we got. No, 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 no. You said you would rebuke the devourer for our sake. Watch this. So that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord. The promise is, he says, I will rebuke the devourer. The things that come against and are always taken from you, he says, I'll rebuke that for you. Second promise, okay? Look at verse number 12. He says, and all nations will call you blessed. He said, I'm going to make your life a testimony. See, the reason I'm talking about God's grace and his blessing, because God spoke to me and said, listen, I said in my word that after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall be witnesses. If you're not going to witness of what I'm doing, I'm going to take you off the stand. Okay, let me help you out. In the court of law, you put a witness on the stand to what? Testify. The fact that they have a testimony to tell is because something has happened that they can talk about. Okay? So God says, Martin, if you're not going to testify, then I will take you off the stand. Meaning that I won't do anything in your life that you can testify about because you ain't going to testify. I said, God, I'm standing on the stand then. I'm going to be your expert witness. The Lord has done it again. He blessed me again. The Lord has done it again. But here's the thing. 
You're reluctant because I don't want to talk about it, God, uh, because, Pastor, you know, people, they get offended when you're talking about how the how Lord's blessing you. Do you realize this? Testimonies are intended to encourage faith. If somebody gets discouraged, it ain't your problem, it's their problem. God has you there telling them what he's done in your life, that it might encourage them to believe him in their life. But if they get mad at you, then you don't need them anyway. You got friends that get mad because God bless you. That ain't no friend. That sounds more like an enemy. A frenemy. A friend, an enemy posing as a friend. A frenemy. So you have to understand, God wants us to testify. You shall be a witness when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Your primary responsibility is to witness about God's goodness. So the Bible says that nations will call you blessed. I need one more volunteer. I love your zeal. See, she, see here's a, she saw how God worked before. And it encouraged her faith this time. Because she saw how what God did and these brothers walked away and said thank you their testimony of thanks encouraged her faith so she was sitting there saying if, if he asked for one more person I'm going yeah well you're too slow you took this verse she said I stood it the first time this is Nikki Thomas for those watching this on, online today amen Now he says, others, nations will call you blessed. Other people will call you blessed. It says nations will call you blessed. Others, go ahead, you put those in there. Others will call you blessed, but wait a second. It don't stop there. Because see, now, not only do you know you blessed, when other people look at you, they say, you're blessed. Because 
when they see you walking you don't even have to hardly tell it because they just see you going and they say you're blessed because both hands are full as you walk with this faith so God said listen others will call you my last promise to you is that if you try me in this other people will call you blessed because they'll see your blessing so keep this in mind he keeps his promises pull it up for me he keeps his promises and because he keeps his promises have faith in the promises pull the next slide up thank you gentlemen faith in the promises the promise keeper has made you promises but you must have faith in the promises 